just thinking in the back, this is probably the most talented group of people here at Tomoka, both individually and collectively, I've ever worked with. And give, it, give them all a hand, really. And I'm really thankful when they have responded to coming out and being spotlighted. There's a lot of prayer meeting goes on in the office when some, I ask somebody to be the spotlight. But I want you to know them. And I want you to know one overriding factor. The talent, group and individually, all that is topped by this. Everything that they do, they do for the glory of God. Uh, they really do. That's, that's their purpose. That's their goal as a team. Uh, we work as a team, uh, that nudging each other to continue. So continue to pray for all our staff. I think there's 70 plus people that, uh, here to make sure our message and the message of we want to make it impossible for anybody to go to hell. Amen. All right. Turn your scriptures to first Peter chapter two, verse, uh, verses four through 12. We, this is, uh, in this passage, there is tons of gold. And you can preach a month just out of the nuggets that are in there. But as I begin to pray and ask God, what, what is Peter doing here? And as I looked at scripture, it became very obvious. He's writing to, you remember, aliens, sojourners. They're spread out all over the world. They're Christians, there's persecution from Rome, there's persecution from their friends who are of Jewish persuasion versus the Christians. And then those Christian Jews who have become Christians, they have persecutions. Many times it's a small group of people, sometimes it may be a couple of hundred, but more so just people scattering. And you have to think about, if you've ever been in that situation... If you've ever been in that situation, you wonder, am I the only one? And then the second thing you wonder about is, if I'm the only one, why am I doing this? And it's easy to get discouraged. Because, listen, since 2019, we have lived in a very discouraging environment in our country and in our world. Not only laws that are immoral and ungodly, we have People who in leadership that do not honor God with anything they do. We have scare after scare trying to get people to fear. And the one thing they're, they're trying to do is to make sure that you don't get. You see, the way that you overcome people is to isolate them. 
That's why when a prisoner is bad in, in, in prison, they put him in solitaire. And he spends all of his time by himself. And that causes strange things to happen. Well, listen, you can live in solitary confinement if you don't, if you don't get out of your house. If you don't begin to talk to somebody. Somebody like you. You know, my wife used to say, raising three sons. She loved to get out for one reason. She had adult conversations. Now, I don't know if she included me in the kitty conversations at home or, or what, but I understood what she's talking about. So that's the setting where we're going this morning. I want you to listen to carefully as we read this scripture. We're going to read it in its entirety, and then we'll come back and we'll pull out some nuggets, okay? All right, let's look at it. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. Just keep that there. Do you get, you know, Peter, Petros, stone. It's almost like I'm a stone, I'm a living stone, and I'm riding to living stones, okay? Next verse. You yourselves, like living stone, okay, we're called to a living stone, and we are living stones, and we're building, being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. A spiritual house, holy priesthood, remember that, okay? To offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. This one stone, and we'll see that in a minute. Two things, very opposites. The builders rejected it. They don't want a building. They don't want a house laid with this cornerstone. So they totally reject it. It becomes a rock of offense. Okay? They stumble because they disobey the word of God as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, now you're God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, of which wage war against your very soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, 
they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Do you see how a rock back and forth, talking to these scattered people, he said you weren't a people at one time, now you're a people. A people not in isolation, but a people in a crowd. Once you had no home, you're being built up into a spiritual home. You see, Peter was trying to get across to these probably very discouraged, maybe afraid Christians that they have a great privilege in Christ. A great privilege. I think today too many Christians view their Christian life as a duty more than a privilege. I have to go to church Sunday. I have to do this. I have to pay my tithe. I have to volunteer. I have to, I have to, I have to. Those may be innocent words. We have to. But do you know what that's projecting as what people think about the service of a living God? It's all about have to. And when you live under the I have to label and your mind and your attitude is I have to, then that's when you begin to feel isolated. That's when you yourself will begin to isolate yourself. And that is where Satan can get at you the very best. You see, I looked up privilege. I wanted to get it right in the dictionary. It's a right, an immunity, or a benefit enjoyed by a particular person, a restricted group of people beyond the advantages of others. It also noted in the dictionary that it is unearned. It is a special right. We as Christians have privileges, and that's what we're going to look at them. Uh, in verses 4 and 5, you're going to see the privilege of an access to God. As you come to him, living stone, rejected by men in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourself, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. To offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We are being built up. We come to Christ. We who were dead in our trespassings and sins. We are called to a living stone and in him we become living stones. That living stone is eternal life. Uh, the stone that's used mainly is a carved jewel. That's what they call, uh, that's one Greek word for stone. Uh, a lot of times people wear them on their hand. A carved special stone. Here, it's talking about a building stone. Now how this cornerstone is laid directs how that building is going to be constructed. Everything is built off of this cornerstone. And if the cornerstone is not set right, the house will fall. Nothing's right about the whole house when this one block. That represents Jesus Christ. Now we look, <clears throat> excuse me, look at Deuteronomy 32, 3 and 4. For I will proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God, the rock, his work is perfect. 
in all of his ways are just. First Corinthians 10 verse 4 says, And all drank of the same spiritual drink. Paul is reminding them of the wilderness walkings. Uh, they had a rock from whence the water came that supplied them. And he said, for they all drank from the spiritual rock that followed them. And the rock was Christ. An Old Testament, New Testament, verifying the rock, Jesus Christ. Isn't that, have you ever thought about the rock following them through the desert to make sure they have everything that they need? Let me list you seven privileges uh, of that Peter is talking about. The first one, we're united in Christ. We become a living stone, eternal life in Jesus Christ. We take on Christ. He removes our deadness. He removes the flesh. He removes everything and forgives our sin and then inputs into us his righteousness. Therefore, we know we live eternally. This life is not alone. Secondly, we are a spiritual house. Ephesians chapter 2. So then you're no longer strangers and aliens. He's writing to strangers, sojourners, and aliens. And now he's saying, when you come to a living stone... You're no longer a sojourner. You're no wonder wandering. You are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. This is New Testament writing. This is the Old Testament writings. This is the foundation, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone. Do you see how that's working? Christ comes into our life. The foundation of the Word of God is laid there. And that's how God builds His spiritual houses. And if you remember the pyramid, the cornerstone was there, but there were a lot of other stones that were placed in order to finish the building. We are finishing the building, the household of God, that God is building here on this earth, and we're building it for one reason— One day he's coming back to earth. One day he's coming back. And he's going to live and reign forever with we who follow Christ forever and ever to live forever. So instead of being alone, you're a part. It's like being a part of something is important. Everything, every blessing that God gives to Mocha with, every time a soul comes to Jesus Christ, any place in the world, You need to understand that through your prayers, your faithful giving, you are a part of that person coming out of darkness and seeing the light of the Word of God. Not only that, you are a holy priesthood. Now, this is very important. This is the priesthood of the believers. Now, you can come to me or one of our pastors and say, I want you to pray for me. And one thing I always ask when somebody says that, and my question is this, have you prayed first? Because you see, you have direct access to God. When you say, our Father, and you cry out to God, whether you're driving down a road, whether you're in your prayer room, 
you are ushered into the presence of God. And there you no longer have to go to someone else. In the Old Testament, they brought their sacrifices to the door of the temple and the high priest took over from there. And only he had access into the presence of God and then only once a year. We have 24-7, 365 access into the very throne room of God and that goes for every one of us that are here. Not only that, that priest took that offering once a year, made the atonement, dropped the blood for the atonement. He offered a spiritual sacrifice, spiritual sacrifices. In our priesthood, we offer spiritual sacrifices to God himself. The Hebrew writer said this, through him, Jesus, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to our God. That is the fruit of the lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Have you ever thought that the words of your lips are a sacrifice to God? Too many times we don't, we, we lose that analogy of the lamb and the offering of sacrifices. In our life, as we have direct access into our Father, we need to realize that our bodies, uh, our, our praise, our good works, our possessions, our love, our prayers, they offer the spiritual sacrifices of their life as they lead music, as we preach, as you read your word. Everything we do as priests before God is to be given to Him. For praise and glory. Uh, Hebrews thirteen sixteen says this. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have. For when you do, such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Romans fifteen sixteen. I'm going to put all this together. To be a minister of Christ... Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God. Do good and share. Simple things. When you do good, when you share, that is a spiritual sacrifice to God. Jesus, you remember when he was saying to them, uh, in that day, you will say to me, I did this, this, and this, and I will say to you, Depart from me. And they will say, when, Lord, did we see you in prison? When did we see you hungry? When did we see you thirsty? And Jesus said, when you have done it to the least of these, you have done it to me. So when you are sharing with someone, it's sharing Christ. We, we forget to realize that we don't live our life in a helter-skelter way. There used to be when the games came out, there was this bearded little guy and you'd do something with your fingers and he'd run all over the place chasing. So many times we think our lives are like that and we have accidents and we have things that come up and we say, oh, that just came up. We need to realize that when God designed the earth, it was perfect. When God designed us, we were perfect. 
When God designed the work of those who would call him by name, he directs our path. And every opportunity to do something that's good. How do you do good? If you catch somebody that has caught the negative nallies. You know what that is, don't you? Well, the sun's shining today. Isn't that great? No, it's too hot. Thank God for the rain, right? No, I wanted to go fishing. When you run across somebody like that, don't, don't walk away from them. That's an opportunity to grab that person and say, you must have the mully grubs. Now, if you're from the north, y'all don't know what mully grubs are, but that's something we get when we're just constantly grumbling. Grab a hold of that person and say, Let me, what's happening to you? What makes you feel that way? We're going to pray right now and ask God to help you with those thoughts. Do good. Share what you have. Don't be afraid to share. And lastly, it said in that, in the Romans passage, don't forget to offer the sacra- offering to the Gentiles. What is the offering to the Gentiles? Gentiles represents unbelievers. Share the gospel that has called you out of darkness into his most marvelous, marvelous light. Not only that, you're a chosen race. You're a spiritual people called by God to himself. Don't let that word get tricked you up. The world's stolen that word. I can't tell you the thousands of times I've talked to people. And I'd say, hey, where do you worship? Well, pastor, I'm a spiritual person. Okay, where do you worship? Well, I can worship God anywhere. Well, that's true. But he's kind of called us together, hasn't he? I call that a spiritual cop-out. Don't let the world steal the world spiritual. We are a spiritual people called by God himself. Let me go on. He's a royal, royal priesthood. You serve with unlimited access to the king. Think about it. You go to White House, and if you just walk through the gate and in the halls and try to get to the president, you're going to be tackled once you get through the gate. You don't, we don't have access. But here, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and the creators of the heavens and earth, God has swung his gates wide open and said, you have access anytime you want to come into my presence. We worship we minister before God. Not only that, as he gathers individual people all over the world, we are a holy nation set apart. That word nation is a word ethos. It actually means people, people groups all over the world. We, he is gathering this holy nation. In Exodus nineteen six, it says, you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and unholy nation. That's God's part. I recalled you to two scriptures right quickly. Number one, when the rainbow came out after the flood, God did not say, when you remember the rainbow, I'll not destroy the earth anymore. God said, when I see the bow, I will remember. When the children of Israel were instructed to put blood on their doorposts, It didn't say, when you see the blood on your post, I'll pass by. It said, when I see the blood. You see, that is God's work in our life. It is all God. However, we've got a part to play. Okay? Look at 1 Peter 11 and 12. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles. 
I urge you where you are. Stop wishing your life away where you are to go somewhere else to only find the same things are there. They just look differently. So I urge you as a surgeon to exile to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which war against your soul. You realize the passions of the flesh, they war against you. They war against you. Your, your sin, continual sin can cause physical sickness. Now, don't leave and say, the preacher said, if you get a cold, that's sin. I didn't say that. But I set a continual path of living in the flesh, waging war. It tears the body down. Okay? I, I, I beat you back to it. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that they may speak against you. When they speak against you as evildoers, basically, they'll see your good works. They don't have anything to say about it. In Galatians 5, I'm not going to read this. In Galatians 5, you know the, the fleshly lust. And it says, abstain from the fleshly lust. What does the word abstain mean to? It means the ability to voluntarily, get that word, hold back. You see, we have been set free from the power and the bondage of sin. Our part of the equation is to realize we are free. We're no longer locked in a passion. We're no longer locked in a, pa- in a habit. God has removed that from us. And our response is to simply respond in the strength and the power of the Spirit of God. Now listen, we live in a postmodern world dominated by sensuality, immorality, and moral relativism. But I want to warn you, the lust of the flesh is not just sexual. That's what we always, when you hear lust, we always think sexual. Well, Peter, beginning this chapter, said, put away all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander. Those are lust. What's the stumbling block? Why do people come to Christ? What is it? Look at First. Peter 2, 6 and 8. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I'm laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, a stone of stumbling and a rock. Of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. When you disobey the word of God, you stumble and you fall. And the problem is, the scripture say here that they're in darkness. Have you ever got up in the middle of the night to go somewhere in your house? And someone has put an object right in your path. It wasn't there when you went to bed, but you find it. That's why we turn on the lights before we travel from one room to another 
The light has not been turned down on in the unbelieving world for one reason. They reject, they refuse to believe that Jesus Christ paid the ultimate sacrifice in order that we may be freed from sin. Paul writing in Romans talked about if we have died to a life like his and been buried with him, we will be resurrected with Christ. We need to account ourselves every day as dead, buried, but alive in Jesus Christ. When we do that, we begin to see privileges. Those that do not believe, they stumble and fall over the very thing that has the keys to eternal life. A couple of scriptures in Proverbs 4:19. The way of the wicked is deep darkness. They don't know what they stumble over. Before the believers, Psalm 119, 165. Beautiful, beautiful psalm. Great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. Proverbs 3:23. Then you will walk on your way securely, and your foot will not stumble. Proverbs 4.12. When you walk, your step will not be hampered. And if you run, it will not stumble. Another psalm I didn't put up there just came to my mind now. The psalmist says that when you do stumble, you will not fall face first. Why? Because if you are in Christ, You have been united to a living stone, a living person who guarantees his word. Come unto me, all you who are labor and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke on you. A yoke has two slots. It's the picture of God being on one side, you being on the other, and you're carrying the yoke. That's why I said, my burden is easy. Friend, this morning, if you sit here and you're stumbling over, I've had people stumble over the craziest things. I was witnessing to a man one time. Right in the middle of the witness, he said to me, Preacher, where do you believe the Garden of Eden still exists? I said, I don't know. What do you believe? Well, I don't believe it exists. Okay. I don't believe it does either. But he kept throwing things in there. Don't stumble over something stupid. And anything that will keep you from Jesus Christ is the dumbest decision you've ever made in your life. Because we think we are living. But the Bible description of a person apart from Christ is being dead and their trespasses and sin, wandering in a world. Christian friend this morning, I want you to get rid of the I have to. You had the privilege of coming here this morning to offer sacrifices of praise to his name. I don't care if you think you live by yourself. If no one is around you, there's more people around you than you think. And you are a part of a spiritual house. That's being built up. That house won't fall. Because our cornerstone is Jesus. 
Fathers, we come to you this morning. Thank you for the great truth of your scripture. Lord, move among us today. Encourage us, convict us. Lord, let us see what a privilege, what a privilege we have in Jesus. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.